This week, GM and Subaru are going on break, Pokemon Go is listening to trainers, and Lowcast is shutting down. It's Sunday, September 5th, 2021, and this is episode 603 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through one of the podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, or of course, on our website, pluckitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you you can chat with us during the show and give your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Or you can always subscribe by going to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. Uh, there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you can find all the different ways that you can watch, listen, and follow along. Speaking of our website, uh, this week we've got some things going on. The first is that in the very near future you will see a refreshed uh, version of the website. It's not going to look that much different. Uh, it is going to look a little bit more um, uh, Windows 11, a little bit more Sun Valley, uh, but the speed is what we're working on. Uh, we're going to speed it up significantly. So look for look forward to that. Also, uh, we told you two weeks ago that we had some changes happening around the office. Um, that's why we were off last week. The office was in pieces when it was time for the show. Um, we did not have internet working in any of the rooms. <laughs> so that was not conducive to a show. But the good news is we now have uh, dual gigabit connections coming into the studio. So some of the weirdness, if you watch live, that sometimes happens before the show should be over. So huzzah! Big things going on here. Um, we've also got the uh, the the download coming soon. If you want to sign up for that, it's a free newsletter. Uh, you can go to plughitslive.com slash the download right now. Uh, and the first one comes out pretty soon. We don't know what our first topic will be, but it'll be pretty soon. Uh, there's a lot more information over there as well. With that, Avram. Ah, it's been two weeks. <laughs> and we have oh, solid internet. Yeah. Hooray. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I'm I'm all right. How about you? Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Last weekend was exhausting. This weekend was specifically relaxing. So, <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> so know, that we could recover just, from uh, it. Yeah, you know, nothing too exciting going on here. I had to fix my 3D printer today because it, well, broke is probably the wrong word. Got stuck. Okay. Uh, one thing I keep learning about 3D printers is their capacity to get stuck. Um, so you definitely, uh, it's definitely a hobby that requires some, uh, some uh, patience. <laughs> um, yes. You know, but uh, with Windows 11 around the corner, only actually exactly a week, launching exactly a month from today, yeah. October 5th, um, we're doing a lot of tutorials on it. Um, 
and discovering a lot of things about it. And uh, we'll get into some of that uh, later on in my Milch Point segment. But needless to say, um, you know, just uh, plowing, plowing through. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, 3D printers definitely require some uh, patience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and some kind of stick to i i think i'm going through a cycle right in my um 3d printing life where i started out uh with this which is right now the printer i have this enclosed printer the adventure the flash forge adventure right. 3 light yeah anyway it's enclosed <laughs> let's let's put it that way um so I started off with that and it's really simple to set up uh, and use, uh, but like every other printer can get, can get clogged. And I figured out that now I think I really have to get one of these printers that's more DIY, that's more like one of those open air printers where it's really easy to, well, not really easy, but where it's fee more feasible to replace parts and upgrade it myself and stuff like yeah. that because that seems to be where the real, the real action is, the real excitement, you know, is being able to, 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 to try printing with uh, some different materials than, uh, than this can successfully to do things like messing with your changing your nozzle, um, things like that. So sure. it's, uh, you know, it, it, I guess it's sort of like PCs, right? You, you, maybe you start out, uh, you start out with a pre-built computer and you're like, well, I really want to, I really want to get a feel want to really have this my way and get a feel for how it actually works. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know, I know I started with, with pre-built and I, but I haven't had one of those in decades. <laughs> Short it's, of, it's, of course, you know, point, laptops, but that's a different beast. Yeah. Yeah. You, there's not much you can, not much you can do about that right. but you know i think i think it's a matter at a certain point it's a point of like pride which not a lot of people would you know not everybody would understand like hey i just want a pc just let it make it work for me right mm -hmm. but at this point even if it were cheaper easier whatever to get a desktop that was pre-built i wouldn't want to do it because it's gotta i have to i have to put it together with my hands mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the, I, I guess to, uh, you know, to, to each their own. But now I'm starting to see why why people in the 3D printed community are more into these sort of like DIY print uh, printers where you either have to put together where it's not totally. DIY. I mean, it's not like a PC where you can just go get all kinds of parts, but right uh, where they're much more in control of the build and taking it apart and putting it together. Yeah, for sure. And I, I can tell you, it doesn't just apply to 3D printers. Um, over at Amrock this weekend, uh, Chris and Steve, I guess technically they rebuilt, but I don't know how much of the original uh, laser cutter is left. I, <laughs> other than the case that it's in, I believe it's an entirely new <laughs> uh, You can uh, rebuild cutter. a laser cutter? Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. They 
it's oh it has been a f- one of those like back burner projects this, this thing was donated to amrock like a year year and a half ago maybe longer and it's been in various states of disassembly and cross your fingers and hope it works and uh this weekend they're like nope we're doing it they got a whole new controller and all kinds of stuff and it's it's working they printed uh what I'm told is uh, Donald, I think it was Donald Duck uh, with like Japanese characters on its nose, which is like a, like the test print page on like an HP printer. That's, that's what this controller's test print is. Um, hmm. I think it looks more like Donald Duck swearing, but I'm, to- I'm told that it is supposed to be some sort of Asian characters. I think it looks more like it's swearing, but that's okay. It looked like a really fun project, and I am super excited about this thing functioning now. There's all kinds of fun projects we can do for the studio. <laughs> it's going to be a bit of a problem for me. <laughs> I, I'm I'm fully aware of that. Anyway, yeah, it's there's a little bit of an addiction to it, right? Once you start doing DIY stuff, you whether it be you know building now to studio backdrops or uh you know wanting to mess around with the 3d printer or the laser cutter or whatever i think there's there's a bit of an addiction to it once once you start doing stuff with your hands you're like yeah i like i like having this kind of control so totally makes sense but with that we got a lot to talk about tonight so let's get down to some news This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, desperately seeking an Xbox, uh, new games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. To browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv Microsoft. So we talked a couple of weeks ago, possibly far longer ago than that, uh, but let's pretend it hasn't been going on that long, uh, about the global chip shortage, right? We've talked probably several times about it. We talked about how video cards are in short supply. Avram has done at least one, if not two segments on being able to find products that are short Um, particularly in the PC space, but another industry that's been hard hit has been the automotive industry. Uh, We generally don't talk about it, but the the price of a used pickup truck has gone up like 15 to 18% over the last year uh, because the automakers can't make the trucks because they're missing chips and, uh, you know, there were some photos that came out. Ford had parking lots. Like they were using the the kind of temporarily abandoned NASCAR uh, race parking lots to just abandon 99% completed pickup trucks in. Uh, they finally got the clue and stopped stopped production so that they weren't just filling up parking lots across the country. Um 
But this week, we've got two more vehicle manufacturers that have made similar announcements. General Motors and Subaru are halting production. Uh, Subaru is halting production in Japan. Uh, theirs is very short. They're only stopping for about four days. Um, but General Motors, in some of their facilities, are taking the majority of this month off. Um, just totally halting production. Every Everywhere from... Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, you've got um, two production facilities in Mexico, one in Canada, uh, Spring Hill, Tennessee. Uh, yeah, just facilities everywhere are going on hiatus, some of them for about a week, some of them for two or three. They're spreading them out so that they're not just like GM is shut down, <laughs> right, all at once. They're spreading them out throughout the month, but I mean... This is a huge, a huge situation. Other than, you know, trying to save steel during the wars, I don't know if if the auto industry has, has like, totally suspended operations like this. Potentially ever. <sighs> well, you know, we also haven't always had cars that were this computerized, right? True. So, I mean, I don't know how many years you go back where this type of chip was needed. It is needed 10 years, 20 years. Uh, so, yeah, you know, that's that's a that's a problem. So, I mean, it it also kind of calls attention to the fact that uh, we are a lot of the chip manufacturing takes place uh, in takes place in like Taiwan and other areas. And I guess, I guess it doesn't really matter where it takes place if there's, cause there's going to be a shortage, there's going to be a shortage, but, um, you know, diver diversifying the physical manufacturing, you know, would help prevent a similar shutdown if there were an earthquake or a tsunami. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but so, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, there's definitely issues just in general with getting the production up. But I think, you know, the fact that there's really like not many points of failure for for a lot of the chips that we depend on. Yeah. So and uh, you know, and, and TSMC being like the largest single point of failure. Yeah, exactly. Right. So if TSMC, I mean, for example, if something something happened to happened to Taiwan, uh, that would be, uh, you know, devastating if something happened to them, you know, militarily or environmentally or, or whatever, uh, you know, devastating. So uh, I think, you know, the, it, it's this kind of evidence of, hey, maybe, maybe we need, maybe the industry needs to diversify at least uh, you know, where, uh, w get more capacity, diversify where all the, the, you know, the foundries are regionally. Uh, I know they are actually building, I know there are more foundries being built, yep. uh, including by in TSMC outside of Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's, you know, it's all, uh, being, being worked on, but right now there's just an overall capacity crunch and it's not just these cars, right? Uh, no. It's CPUs, it's it's GPUs, it's it's the, chipsets from motherboards. The the consoles, 
we know that the reason why we're having trouble with the consoles is because of these chips. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a real problem supply. Now, part of the issue though is that there's also because there's so much demand. Right. It's not right now. Like the the big issue isn't that there's an earthquake or or a flood or something like that. It's and not even. I'm not even really sure if COVID is that much of a factor at this point in the pro production. I think right. it's really just a matter of demand. Mm -hmm. The idea that the consoles came out about the about the same time that the that man you know manufacturing was already backing up because of the lockdowns that had happened in in Taiwan that shut down TSMC that didn't help. The fact that all of a sudden lots of people are working from home and companies, and I can attest to this from work, I know that companies have been ordering laptops at a, an astounding rate. Um, the, like everything, everything happened at once, right? A very small amount of lockdown in Taiwan compounded with a whole new generation of consoles basically from all three companies within, you know, the switch has been out, but we've got, uh, there was a, a huge demand increase and a production increase for those at the beginning of the global lockdowns. This huge demand for new laptops in business and in personal and in education, none of that made things better. Each problem individually may have been weatherable, but TSMC themselves say that they are above 100% capacity even now. They're running their machines past what they're rated for to produce these things faster. And and they're barely keeping up with demand. I mean, when this first these shortages first started, I kind of thought, okay, they're going to get better at this. But I guess it's still... I guess it takes more... It's harder to upgrade capacity... Uh, it's hard to upgrade capacity on making chips, I guess, and other things. Because think of the other things in our life that seem to be at a very limited capacity at certain points and now are in, in good shape, right? Like there was a few, maybe three months there where toilet paper was was hard to come by. And somehow, you know, Charmin and, and Scott and all those other companies uh, managed to dramatically increase their production. I, th I mean, I think that's what happened rather than ever, than people just getting tired of buying it, right? Certainly the hurricane prep mentality uh, kind of came to an end, which probably helped the, the supply side. But, you know, like webcams were in a... Right. Uh, and I don't know, I guess the chips for these aren't, that, aren't as hard to get. Webcams were in a disaster state for like six to nine months where you where you couldn't easily get a top of the line webcam like a logitech webcam and now now you can again yep. so back to uh, normal you you couldn't get uh n95 masks or a lot of masks were harder to come by yeah now uh now it's much easier you couldn't get um you know i i think you know, initially it took a few months before all of it was easy for people to get the vaccine, to get at least in the U.S. to get a vaccine. Now the production of that or whatever, or at least the supply of it is so much is so much better that 
people can walk into the drugstore without an appointment. So, yeah, you know, there's so you can see there's been a lot of things where somehow production has ramped up pretty quickly or demand has dropped off significantly. Yeah. There's also some of that. Yeah. I mean, in all the cases I just gave, it's probably both. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a good middle ground between. Yeah. So hard, hard to say. And maybe the thing with chips is demand has not dropped because, right. because there's so many different use case, you reasons why people need, uh, why people or, or companies need these chips. Yeah. Cause I, I still can't get a, a current gen console. Um, and Chevy can't put an entertainment center in system in its cars. You know, there's, you know, there's a huge wide range of, of things. And, you know, uh, TSMC had said, um, a while back when we talked about this the first time, uh, which I guess was in, uh, April, uh, they had said that to, to spin up a new facility could take two years. So, you know, trying to, trying to truly build more capacity was not an easy feat and one that would not be accomplished in short order. Um, so, you know, that's, and, you know, analysts are saying that the, the current gen consoles are going to be, are going to be scarce possibly into 2023. So, but, oof. So, so speaking of that, I, uh, I want to provide a really quick tip for, for folks who are looking for PS5 or Xbox Series X. I don't think there's such a great problem with Switch. Well, at least with regular Switch. I don't know about how it's going to be with OLED Switch, which I don't think is out yet. Um, but uh, my colleague who is uh, my colleague who works for Tech Radar, uh, Matt Swider, his Twitter account, which is at Matt Swider, M-A-T-T-S-W-I-D-E-R, he does nothing all day but find stock of PS5 and Xbox Series X. So anytime he sees wow. one of these is being restocked, he he tweets it and like he now has grown to nearly 900,000 followers, people who are just, just looking for that. And people uh, like he gets some inside scoops about this. Like sometimes I cannot get this kind of inside scoop. I have tried, you know, <laughs> but sometimes people who, you know, are, I don't know, in charge of the warehouse or something at various places, contact him and tell him, uh, you know, PS, we've got, just got some PS5s. So, um, so anyway, okay. if you are trying to get a PS5 for an Xbox Series X, uh, follow Matt Swider on Twitter because he is, uh, tracking these things all day, every day. Like it's, it's become a, it's become a big thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's crazy. I'm looking at his at his Twitter right now and it is it is bonkers. <laughs> yes. Uh so so anyway, uh you know, just a just a quick uh a quick tip 
I, I myself am not looking for any of those consoles, so I don't spend a lot of time on it. But I know that obviously a lot of people are very excited to uh, to get theirs. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's just one of many products. It's the one that I keep going to because it's one of the things that's missing from our setup here. Uh, but, you know, we've talked video cards have also been have also been an issue. And I see that uh, he mentions tracking PS5, Xbox, GPU restock. So it's yeah, it's a big deal. It's 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 hard to uh, it's hard to get all those. I will, I will say this about GPUs. If you live near one of the 25 micro centers that um, there are in the United States, they actually often have the GPUs. They, they often have GPUs. Okay. I mean, they, I think they always have some GPUs. They often have the GPU that you might be looking for, um, depending on what GPU it is. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, if you live within a few mile, you know, reasonable driving distance of one, and you were thinking about getting a, you know, 3060, 3070, 3080 Radeon, um, definitely worth uh, dropping in to see what they have. Because they're, they consistently have stock of things, uh, probably because you have to go in, in there in person to get it. Right. There's, there's no way for scalpers to to effectively take advantage of it because they physically have yeah, to go I mean, in. I you can't just, go... you can't just order them from, from somewhere I mean, and have them know, shipped to a box. If you want to scalp, you know, a little bit, <laughs> I guess it's not bad. Right. I mean, I don't know if they have a limit to what you could buy there, but you know, go and buy one video card. Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, but but uh, anyway, I, I don't do that. Uh, but the but you know definitely uh, that's a place you can go to to see if you can get a video card. Very cool. Also, um, if you have access to any of the uh, the more corporate sources, CDW, uh, uh, what's the one? Uh, Tech Data Insight, somebody like that. Uh, they all seem to have stock as well. Just put that out there. Maybe your company has a has a purchase program you can get in on. Mine does. Uh, so I've discovered that there's availability there, which is great for us. Uh, I bought I bought a TPM uh, chip to do a Windows a Windows 11 upgrade on an unsupported motherboard, um, and I got it through that program. So anyway. Uh, Lots of industries being hit by this. The auto industry, obviously, right now being the one that is uh, is taking action to not get too far ahead of themselves. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices. And to get a special price right now, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right. 
Abram. We we just talked about some uh, some assistance on one part of technology, which is finding consoles and GPUs, but you've got more for us as well. Yeah, so let me uh, let me share my screen, and I'm going to share uh, at first my Windows 11 screen. How do I have Windows 11 on a screen? It's running in in a virtual machine, so. When I want to write my like Windows tutorials and things like that, I have it running in a window on on here, and then I still am on Windows 10 on the actual computer. But uh, so because of that, one of the things I want to show you, I have to go back to my regular computer because it doesn't quite work in virtual machine. So one of the things that people uh, do the most and search for the most, whether they're in Windows 10 or Windows 11, uh, works the same way is uh, is capturing your screen. There's a lot of reasons why you might want to get a screenshot, uh, but you know, maybe you want to show someone something you saw on a web page. Maybe you want to uh, give a write a tutorial for someone. Uh, maybe there's an image that you need to get that you can't quite save in, in another way. So how do you how do you do it? There's many different ways of taking a screenshot, and there and and they serve different purposes. So I wanted to go over them, not only how to capture a still screenshot of picture, but how to capture a video screen recording. So, uh, and except for the, uh, except for a couple of things on except for every, actually everything I'm gonna show you is free and almost everything is already built into Windows. So, uh, so first of all, the most basic way in the world to take a screenshot is to hit the print screen key. Uh, so if I hit that, what happens? It just copies the entire screen to my clipboard. It doesn't actually create a file. So obviously I need a way to edit or save that. If I'm, um, you know, if I'm using Windows and I have nothing else, I have Windows Paint and I can always paste what I just, uh, the screenshot I just took and that's the whole screen. Okay, that's the easiest thing, but not necessarily the best thing for everything. So another thing you can do is, let's say I just wanna take a, a, a file, a screenshot file, right? I want uh, to get this to a file. If I hit uh, Windows key plus print screen, you're going to see that it looks like it flashed a little bit. And what that did is that created a, in my pictures folder, a screenshot. I have a few others in here. So this is the, the latest one and it saved it as a PNG. So that's the, um, that's, that's a screen that is just grabbing the whole thing, but saving it automatically. But a lot of times you don't want to grab the whole screen. Also, by the way, if you're on multiple monitors, either of the things I just showed you would grab all the desktops. So if you're me, you would, it would look really weird because you have, would have four different desktops next to each other. Uh, so uh, what if I just want this window over here? Well, that's easy. I can hit Alt plus print screen, and that's going to capture the active window. So. Uh, and put it in my clipboard, not save it as a file. So if I go back to Windows Paint, you're going to see that I it's just that window, right? Um, similarly, uh, but 
you notice something that that went a little wrong here is because I hit alt and print screen, it caused a menu to appear, which maybe I wouldn't have wanted in my shot because the alt key does something in this program that I'm in, right? It creates, puts these little, I don't know, these little letters up here, right? Um, so I'm going to show you later how you can take a, in a minute, how you can take a delayed screenshot uh, and that will solve that problem. So the, um, but what if you want to capture just a piece of something like maybe not a window, maybe multiple windows, you want to just draw a box. So uh, the way you do that is uh, using something called the Windows Snip and Sketch tool and you hit Windows Shift, Windows key Shift plus S. And that is going to allow me to draw a box around what I want. I can also draw like this weird like circle or shape around it, but I don't think most people would want that. Uh, so you just draw a box around the part that you want. And then that has been copied to your clipboard and that is what you can now paste. Uh, that is what you can now paste in, um, Oops, I want to see. That is what you can now paste, right? But what if I want a delayed screenshot so that I don't have to deal with the fact that hitting the Alt key or hitting the print screen key or hitting some other key is going to muck with my shot? Uh, that I would also use Snip and Sketch for, but I, I don't do it through a keyboard shortcut. I launch Snip and Sketch, not Snipping Tool. There's two different tools. You want Snip and Sketch. Uh, and you select snip in three seconds or 10 seconds. So let's say three seconds. I'm gonna click in here. Okay, ta-da. Now it pops up and lets me snip. So if there was something that I had to do where triggering the screenshot would mess with the program, I can now use snip and sketch, give it a three or 10 second delay, quick run and do whatever it is that I need to have open and then it will allow me to take a, a snip of that. Um, so that's a delayed screenshot. Now there's one thing though that Windows cannot do natively and that you might really want to do and that's capture a whole web page. Uh, so if I take a, like here's an article on, on Tom's hardware. If I take want to take a screenshot of this, of this web page, you'll see that if I take a whole screen screenshot or the active window screenshot, I'm not going to get the whole article. I'm just going to get as much as I saw on the screen. So again, well, if I look at this, wait a second, I, well, but I wanted the whole article. Okay. But the article is quite long. You know, the whole web page could be, you know, hitting page down several times. What to do? Well, there's a third party app that I love and it is, uh, free for personal use, and it's called PicPic. Actually, I love PicPic for all screenshot stuff, but the other thing is you can do with Windows. Uh, but I, to be honest, I use PicPic for, for everything. Uh, so uh, PicPic has a built-in editor, which is great, uh, but one of its very best features, and it has hotkeys for everything, I should say, is it has what's called scrolling window. So I can click that, I hit scrolling window and you're going to see that it's going to scroll ever so slowly down this web page. And when it's done, it's going to pop me up a really long image that has the entire web, the entire web page in it till, till the very end. 
Now, this isn't only for websites, although that's probably the main use people would have for it. It also could work with, uh, you know, Word document or anything that, you know, is a scrollable document. So, you know, this is this has taken a while, so I won't waste your time while, you know, it, the longer the article, the longer it takes <laughs> uh, to finish. But when you're when you're done, it will appear in the uh, pick pick editor where you can edit it or copy and paste it, whatever. Um, so that is that is something else you can do. Now, one other thing you can do with pick pick, I'm, I'm short circuiting this so we can go on to the next thing is one other thing you can do with PicPic that I really like is you can you can program it to include the cursor, uh, which Windows does not do by default. So if I go into the options, I think I mucked with it by, uh, I think I mucked with it by stopping it mid, mid uh, thing. Okay. If I go to, this is the options for the editor. Oh, here we go. So if I go to the options here uh, under capture, I can say include cursor image and that will show my pointer in the screenshot. Otherwise, all the things I've just shown you will not actually include your pointer in the screenshot. Now, that is what you do if you want a still. Great. What if I want to record the screen as a video? I would use, uh, there's a couple ways of doing this, but the, the easy and free way is to use what's called Xbox Game Bar. If you uh, if you've ever hit Windows plus G, you can see that in um, in Windows 10 and 11, there's this game bar. Actually, kind of, uh, there's this game bar, and the game bar has various things on it, one of which is capture. Um, but to actually initiate the capture, you don't even need to actually see the game bar. What you need is to hit, you need to hit, the keyboard combination windows key plus r so if i now i'm going to close my close this window because the vm is not for some the virtual machine for some reason is not letting oh it's not windows key plus r i'm sorry it's windows alt window alt plus r is that right yes windows uh, alt r Windows Alt R, and only because I'm trying to show you right now, is it not <laughs> popping up the little recording thing that it's supposed to, but it will pop up a little recording box and it will record. Now, what will it record? This is the this is the trick. This is the the limit. It will only record what you here. So. It will only record the window that you're in. So, and it will not record the desktop and it will not record Windows Explorer. Maybe that's why it didn't launch for me. So if I, yeah, see, that's why it didn't launch. So there it is, right? You see this little thing here uh, and it will record everything I do in this window. But if I click outside the window, it will not, it will not record that because it's only on the, the active window. And when I want to stop it, I hit Windows Alt R, and it does it does that again. So, all right, that's that's great. But what if I want to record the whole desktop, and I don't want to deal with that? Before you move uh, on, the, okay. move on on this one, Avram. Where does that put that? Oh, good point. So where does it put the file? It puts it in your videos folder. So if you have a 
videos folder somewhere, it, there's uh, a folder called captures that's created under there. And it will, it will just record, it'll save that as an MP4 file right to there. So uh, that's simple, simple enough. Uh, and it will automatically include your sound, although you can go into settings and uh, have it not include your sound. But what if I want to just capture everything on the screen? Then I recommend there are many paid apps that do a great job of this and some free ones. But my favorite for this purpose is OBS. So uh, OBS, otherwise known as Open Broadcasting Studio, is used by streamers a lot, but it is actually uh, good for recording screen cap videos, even if you're not streaming them at all, just locally. So how you do it is you have a, um, I have all these different possible captures here, but what you really want is you want to do display capture. Uh, you want to create a source called display capture. If you have multiple desktops, uh, you can multiple uh, monitors, you can actually pick which monitor you want. So I'm going to create one called capture three and I can, let's say I want it to be, you know, I want it to be display uh, four or something, right? So there's my display four and I can just hit start recording here. And again, this is going to save it. To, this is actually going to save it, I think, just straight to the videos folder uh, and do what I want. Stop recording when I'm done. File is saved. So uh, that is kind of a quick look at all the different ways that you can capture your screen, uh, all the different ways that you can capture your screen in Windows 10 and 11. That's, uh, you can see all of our Windows 11 and Windows 10 tutorials on tomshardware.com, including the two that we just talked about on how to record your screen as video and how to uh, take stills, still screenshots. It, it really is interesting, Avram, because I do a lot of this kind of thing and several of these I was unaware of. So I definitely appreciate this tutorial because I uh, I had never considered OBS for this kind of task. I've used it for far more complicated things, <laughs> but I had never considered it for, for something as, easy, as simple as, as screen recording. That was a great idea. Yeah, uh, there, I learned something else about OBS in regard to screen recording that I didn't get quite into because uh, it's another level of complexity, but just to throw it out there, you can also use OBS to zoom in and out. Uh, mm -hmm. You to create different scenes where you zoom in and out. So if you, let's say you you want to take a screen video and you want to from a period a period of time zoom in on a particular menu or something, so that people's attention is more on that in your video, uh, you can create a scene mode for that, and you can have one that's like zoomed into different corners of the screen or or whatever. Absolutely. I I have used OBS, interestingly, for a big production that we did for a celebrity that we don't talk about anymore. Um, uh, and don't tell Instagram, <laughs> but uh, 
we we used our studio to produce the thing and then it came out with a, a video out into another computer that was taking that input putting it into obs turning it sideways 90 degrees and then pushing it out to instagram live which you are totally not supposed to be able to do there's <laughs> there, there's a lot of interesting stuff that you can do with OBS, particularly when it comes to uh, screen stuff, because it handles it really easily. So, yep, it is. It is really good. At, good for that. You know, I'm always a big fan of referring people to tools that are free, uh, sure. particularly if they're free and open source, because open source means they're going to probably stay free. So. Absolutely. Uh, uh, audacity being the the scary possible exception to that rule but that's a different topic um but as as always avram i definitely appreciate this more than normal i appreciate this one because uh i'm gonna i'm gonna take some of these into my daily life so (laughs) thank you very much for that and i look forward to what we talk about next This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Loot Crate. Whether you're a gamer, anime fan, or pop culture aficionado, Loot Crate has got a crate for you. They curate a bundle of collectibles, apparel, figures, and more that you can't find anywhere else. They get delivered to your door. It's like getting an awesome birthday present from yourself every month. You can learn more about the crates that are available by going to f5live.tv slash lootcrate. You know, I changed the, the wording on that promo a little bit a while back, and I realized that the old wording is still on the screen. So <laughs> that's okay. Anyway, so uh, we've talked a lot over the years about Pokemon Go. We're just past the five-year anniversary of, of the launch of the game, and there's, there's a reason why this game has maintained, while other... Uh, GPS augmented reality games have come and gone. Um, Minecraft my, Earth. Yep. Yeah, I mentioned it in the article because <laughs> that one made me sad when that one went away. Um, others have, have come and kind of faded out, not gone away, Jurassic World, um, but uh, certainly faded from our daily lives. But somehow Pokemon Go continues to be a regular part of of people's lives it could have to do with the fact that there is official and unofficial hardware to make the game more interesting that i promise was not unofficial hardware that i'm using niantic there's uh but the thing i think that has kept them really at the top of their own game is the fact that they constantly listen to their community um right down to the the fact that new stops and gyms are suggested by the most active members of the community. They literally love to listen to their, to their, their players, their trainers. Um, and that includes a lot of the changes that were made about a year and a half ago when the lockdown started, which of course made the idea of a 
going out in public and interacting with people you don't know kind of game, which is what Pokemon Go is, more difficult. Um, they, they, you know, they added the remote raid passes. They extended the range of, of actions. You didn't have to be as close to a gym or a stop to be able to interact with them. Um, along with, you know, increasing uh, XP and stuff like that. Um, now, we all knew, as players, we all knew that these were COVID-era additions and that someday they would be revoked. What we were hoping, however, was that we would be informed before it happened. And it's kind of what happened and kind of not. Now, I was aware that it was coming because I'm on a different type of communication channel than the average gamer is, right? Avram and I get press releases from companies all the time, but <laughs> that's not necessarily what our audience gets to see unless we happen to write about it. Um, in this case, we didn't write about it, and neither did anybody else, because we suspected, since there is an in-game news feature, that they would inform the community themselves. Whoop! Nope. Sure didn't. Uh, in fact, things like the extended range vanished overnight um, with barely a word. Uh, we weren't entirely sure when it was going to happen. We knew it was coming because they told us, uh, but we didn't have an exact date. And Alante and I noticed it one day, literally when we were trying to play, and we could no longer reach a stop from a place we normally could. Um, so obviously... A lot of anger <laughs> came out of this because all of a sudden the way you've been playing for a while with seemingly no warning went away. Um, and Niantic has officially responded to it this week um, in two ways. The first is uh, through a blog post from the executive producer of the game where uh, where they, they, they said, our bad. We screwed up. This is totally on us. We should have been better about communicating what was coming. We're normally pretty good at it. In this case, we really screwed up. We apologize. Our bad. Here are the commitments we're, we're promising going forward as far as communication. Um, and they, they made a lot of promises, including you know, staying in conversations with the, the active members of the community, um, you know, keeping the known issues more up to date, which they've never been really great at. Um, but they're also doing developer diaries and stuff like that to let people know what's coming well ahead of, uh, of its release. The second thing is they seem to have undone it <laughs> because Alante and I were out literally this afternoon. Um, and the ranges seem to be even longer than they were during the lockdowns. Um, so like we were in a park and we were hitting four or five, six stops all around us, none of which we would have been able to hit Friday. Uh, so they seem to have put some of this stuff back in place, uh, which which is good. And, you know, it's that kind of listening to and communicating with the community personally that I think is one of the key reasons why why they've, they've maintained their number one spot. I mean, there's a Harry Potter game out there. Buy them, if I remember correctly. <laughs> And, and it didn't do anything either. There's a Ghostbusters game. There's a Jurassic World game. 
and none of them have have managed to have quite the community engagement and the response the changes to the game if you were to look at the game today compared to what it was five years ago they're almost unrecognizable and i think that's that's a a sign of why they're they're succeeding here what do you think abram yeah i mean i also think that the ip is is really good for this uh, definitely solid for this use case right the others that you named don't i mean you can i mean ghostbuster sounds like it'd be kind of cool go around catch ghosts but uh-huh. i think i think this is one where like it kind of fulfills something that the audience that the fan pokemon fans would want absolutely uh now, I, I was sad to see Minecraft Earth uh, go because that could have been good. But I have to say we only used it like one time. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think Microsoft uh, really put the commitment behind it Yeah. Uh, to, to, make it, to make it work. I but, keep it installed on my device anyway as a reminder of what could have been. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, we tried it. My son and I went out and tried it once because he is obsessed with minecraft uh unhealthily so but the and that would have been one way to get him out of the house sure the um but i think the thing is that this really pokemon go really kind of ties in perfectly to what pokemon what pokemon is about yeah obviously they've done a good job of supporting it but they also had early success right so success breeds success sure they they have a large user base, so it's worth their while to do a good to do a good job of supporting it. Uh, if you have something else that's trying to knock this off the throne, so to speak, you're going to have to, you know, work at least as hard. And yeah, because you can't I don't start think the competitors have been willing to. You can't start at the level the Pokemon Go started at, <laughs> which was right. you know glitchy and painful. We've we've got an article about it from five years ago about how how the launch went right. so unbelievably poorly. Something like that from another franchise wouldn't necessarily be wouldn't be uh, accepted because, well, we're past that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. I get I you. Mean, they. It's also where all the you know people have invested their energy. So if you want to get people who are playing this to stop and to play something else you got to bring something that they like better and i'm not sure how you do that so the uh, so i'll tell you the jurassic the jurassic park game is a lot of fun hmm. i mean i did not really like pokemon go but i fade in and out of that one i do not ever fade out of pokemon go and i don't care about pokemon i've never been a fan of the franchise i don't care um but I never really fade out of that game the way I do all the other ones. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, my wife is so into Pokemon Go. She <laughs> goes out like every day to, to, to catch Pokemon. I was on it a bit for a while, and I was like, eh, I really don't care enough. How, but How is uh, she not a friend yeah. of mine in the game? We'll have to fix that after the show at some point. <laughs> range, I guess. Uh, so anyway, yeah... Um, the uh, I don't know. so I think it, it has a first mover advantage. It has a lot of people, and that's why you haven't seen the success duplicated. Also, all these other games that we're launching have launched at a really bad time. 
right? So true. It so it's hard to it's hard to get worse uh, worse timing than the last couple of years for a game that gets people out and into the out and into their community. So. Although, in fairness, right, so, the Jurassic so World game came out only about six months after Pokemon Go did. And it has, it's just, it never, it never quite caught on, despite the popularity of that franchise. But, and, and the fact that that one was, was designed more for PvP, which tends to be the thing that people enjoy in a video game, but it doesn't seem to be the thing that people get into in these types of games, the, you know, the, the gameplay for Pokemon go doesn't really have much in the way of PVP. I mean, there's some, but not, not quite the same. That, that other game was basically you go around and collect DNA to be able to, to uh, create the, the hybrid dinosaurs that we've seen in the newer movies and then use them, uh, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics style <laughs> to fight. <laughs> and I guess the Final Fantasy Tactics gameplay just did not catch on. I don't know. But I I think a lot of it has to do with, really, the fact that they're willing to, to bob and weave, right, and adjust to to complaints. And they've always been quick about it, including in this case, where there were complaints, and shortly after it happened... Uh, they seem to have reversed it, apologized for it, and uh, even given us a little bit of a bonus for it. So, you know, I think I think that helps a lot. It makes it feel like you're part of a community, not just a consumer of a thing. So, I think that helps. This week's news from the tubes in F5 Live is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, and it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, and a whole lot more. You can use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. And to learn more and to get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash Malwarebytes. Oh, I cannot believe that we're going to talk about this brand name right now. I know I'm the one that made the choice on the topic, but it is absolutely baffling that we are about to talk in 2021 about Yik Yak. If you are unaware of Yik Yak, congratulations. You managed to avoid the original totally toxic social network. Uh, This thing was... uh, based around a hyper-local model, you could post, comment, uh, and view posts uh, within a five-mile radius. And as you would suspect with anything anonymous, but also anything local, you know, hyper-local, it was abusive and very abusive at that. In fact, it was so abusive that schools across the world banned it because it gave school bullies the ability to bully their classmates anonymously 
and meaner. It was an, a truly horrible idea <laughs> um, with a very toxic uh, ecosystem. Well, even though the network shut down in 2017, it's back. Now, why is it back? I don't know. Somebody new bought the company or possibly just the assets. The wording on the announcement is a little strange. Uh, so we're not I'm not entirely sure if they bought the entire company or just the assets uh, similar to CompUSA uh, or Circuit City. I guess even Radio Shack. Anyway, um, so it's back. It is all of the things that it used to be. It is hyper-local. It is anonymous. And it is, in my opinion, a mistake. This feels real similar to our conversation. And yes, we know since the last time we talked about the topic, things have changed. But when we talked about um, OnlyFans changing its business model so strongly, we said it is a tainted brand name. There's probably no way to get away from that. And I think with the the sexual harassment and even bomb threats uh, and death threats that were made on this platform. I don't know that this is a that this is a brand that can be or should have tried to have been rehabilitated. I think it should have stayed dead and buried. Um, even if the idea of their new community guardrails, which is the same as community standards for most of the other platforms. Uh, that prohibits bullying and hate speech, uh, even with all that stuff in place, there's no way it doesn't become that again, in my opinion. What do you think, Abram? Isn't that the point of it, right? Right. So, yeah. So I was just looking at the alternative, which is, uh, would you say this is sort of an alternative to next door? Um... That's an interesting assessment. Um, kind of. If the community of Nextdoor was middle schoolers, yes. Some, uh, certainly okay. closer to that. It's Nextdoor is designed for you and I to let each other know that coyotes have been spotted in the neighborhood. Yik Yak was used mostly to tell your next door neighbor uh, that their haircut sucks and they should kill themselves, um, which was obviously terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's worse, but people have used Nextdoor and, th- and, and local groups on Facebook to, to, to post some pretty terrible things, but sure. at least they kind of have to put their name behind it. So... Yeah, I mean this is this is bad. I mean, look, I don't think we should encourage. Uh, one of the problems with you know, there's anonymity online is a double-edged sword, right? right? I mean, sometimes anonymity is great because people who have a problem can feel comfortable talking about it, and they don't have Wh- it you know, whisper back to them. Whisper, for example, was a great example of that. The ability to just post a thing with no name or nothing out into the ether. Um, you know, you could confess things that were in 
on your mind or be able to get ideas out that you just needed to get out of your head, but you didn't want attached to you. Now, Whisper had some some harassment issues as well, but, you know, Whisper was used for that kind of thing, and it went away for other reasons, but yes. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, I mean, and the other side of the sword is that you can use it to use it to with impunity seeming seeming impunity to say horrible things to people yeah so yeah this sounds bad it also sounds like it's gonna go i mean i don't know are people gonna go sign up for it again haven't they found other ways to harass people by now right i honestly i think um i think that the the major degradation we saw in the the Twitter discourse over the last couple of years, I think some of it is because Yik Yak tainted the idea of, of anonymous posting to the point where those people started to feel comfortable going, you know, off book um, when the, when the site shut down and, you know, Reddit got a little meaner when Yik Yak went away. Twitter got a little meaner. It, I think I think some of that toxicity had to go somewhere. I but I don't necessarily think that creating a corral for it again is the best solution. No, not at all. Uh, it's also a terrible business model. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly I don't even know what their business model could possibly be. Um, I I don't know. I don't know why somebody would get back into this space and if they were going to, why they would use this name again. It has such a taint to it. It doesn't seem... Yeah. Unless what they're hoping yeah, for yeah. is that that my anger at, <laughs> at this topic <laughs> will help them. <laughs> well, you know, you did give them a little bit of publicity here so it's true and the publicity i'm going to give right now is avoid it at all costs (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying that by using a name that is known and controversial they have also guaranteed themselves some free publicity whereas if i told you i'm gonna start a new social network i don't know that i would get your i don't know that i would get someone's attention right yeah to, to resurrect, uh, I mean, it's it's a common thing to in business to resurrect brand names that are that are gone that are that are dead. Absolutely. People, like, how far is the current Atari away from the original Atari? <laughs> right. Like, how far is? Uh, I mean, there's still. I think you can still go to CompUSA.com and RadioShack.com. RadioShack has stores. Have... There. RadioShack is back, in fairness. I I have been working on trying to get my own franchise license for them. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, but uh, you know, CompUSA. Yeah, like you... t- Tiger Direct part of that original family tiger direct is a great example it's not owned by the same people even a little bit i know who the owners are now and it's very strange to me and um they 
but you know, people people have an association with Tiger Direct from probably pre physical retail days before the the takeover of CompUSA and the disaster that came from there. Um, you know, people have a good positive association with Tiger Direct from from those days. I don't know that anybody ever had a good association with this platform. Right. No. So I can see, yeah, resurrecting resurrecting Radio Shack or CompUSA or Tiger Direct or something like that. Yeah, no, I get it. A lot of people have have fond memories of those brands. Um, the fact that Limited 2 has come back from the grave is weird to me. That was a mall store when I was a child, and it went away long ago, and oh, it's back. You can get their stuff at, I think, Walmart. That's weird. Uh, um, but people liked those brands. <laughs> I don't know that anybody except uh, bullies really liked Yik Yak, especially near the end. So, I don't know. It's it's all very strange to me. My recommendation is avoid it. Um, it seems like if it doesn't start out terrible, it will go there quickly. That's my... <laughs> That's my prediction. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know that we get free shipping on lots of products. We get a whole lot more like free music with Amazon Prime Music free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games and a free Twitch subscription with Amazon Prime Gaming, and a whole lot more. Uh, and to learn more, to get quick links to all these features if you're already a member, or to get a free 30-day trial if you're not, you can go to f5live.tv slash prime. All right. Uh, cord cutting has been a big thing for a long time. At least as long as uh, we've been doing the show, we've heard uh, cord cutting. It has obviously ramped up over the last fifteen years, but uh, it has been it has been a big topic of conversation for a long time. Uh, and one of the biggest challenges for cord cutters is getting the network stations slash local stations. Um, a number of years ago. One of our former hosts was very obsessed with a company called Aereo, who thought they had a clever way of getting around uh, copyright uh, law and FCC redistribution by giving everybody their own tuner in the market that they signed up for um, and taking the output from that tuner and just pushing it uh, to another location. Uh, the sling boxes were a very similar kind of idea, except that it was your own hardware that you were slinging over the internet. This was a similar concept, but you were essentially leasing the hardware. That got shut down a long time ago uh, because it violated FCC uh, regulations for redistribution. A couple of years ago, a new organization, an important word, a new organization was founded called Lowcast that did something similar, but totally skipped the idea of individual uh, tuners and antennas and all of those things uh, 
and decided that they were going to try and take advantage of a very specific clause in the FCC's redistribution uh, guidelines uh, for nonprofit organizations. Now, the details on this are very strange and very pinpoint, right down to the fact that no money that you collect through donations from subscribers can go to anything other than infrastructure. Um, and that is where this week's story comes in. Um, obviously, the networks that took down Aereo, the big four, um, immediately went after Lowcast for exactly the same thing. Um, Lowcast's argument was, we are a nonprofit organization, um, and so we are exempt from those rules we fall into um, Section 3A5. The network said, oh, but you're not. And here's why. You have collected more money through your, your occasional Wikipedia style, hey, if you give us $5, you can help us keep things afloat, business model, then it takes for you to keep the system afloat, which means that money has had to have gone somewhere else because you're a nonprofit organization and we can prove, we believe that we can prove that some of that money has gone into expansion, which makes you not exempt <laughs> under Section 3A5. Um, and so um, Lowcast asked a judge to dismiss it under uh, 3A5. And the judge this week said, no, cannot be dismissed because it is a matter of, of, uh, uh, jury deliberation, not a matter of pure fact. There's no summary judgment involved. So that is a huge loss for Lowcast. Um, it, it does not mean that they have violated the law. It simply means that the judge believes that there is an argument that can be made. That's all it means. Not that they have any violation. It's not a, it's not a statement of fact. It is a statement of opinion that there is an argument that could be made um, that would prove them non-exempt. But as a result, Lowcast has shut down. This affects a lot of people, not just subscribers to Lowcast, but also subscribers to Sling TV because Sling was using Lowcast for their local broadcasts. So this is a pretty big deal, both for consumers and for uh the networks, but you and I talked about this, it seems like ages ago, but in reality, well, it was just over two years ago. It was August of 2019 that we first talked about this, and we said there was no way that it didn't go this way. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, no, no question about it. So you can't beat... You can't beat the uh, the major networks on this kind of thing. No. So they're gonna they're gonna stop you. So yeah, that's. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised. But here's the thing: so they shut down, but they haven't lost yet. So why did they Correct. shut down now? I think they're afraid that they're going to lose, and they're trying to prevent um, a bigger and pay out um, for continuing to operate in the likely face of defeat. 
That's that's my theory. Okay, but I mean, the jury could find it in their favor. Mm-hmm. The also aren't they kind of already like if they lose, what do they have to lose, right? Like, I can't believe that however much money they're going to be like. Let's say they lose, I assume there's going to be incredible damages, right? Sure. So. If they're suing the the entity, right, yep. then the worst thing that can happen is that they could have all of the assets of the entity. Right. It they liquidate like the they entity already, and hand over the money. It sounds like they already, it sounds like whatever they're going to ask for, they probably already would be at the liquidation point. So, I mean, the only thing I could think is they don't want to pay the legal fees. Does that mean that they're that they're dropping out of the court case too? Absolutely not. They, in fact, they have said that their intention is to, uh, is to contest this, uh, this decision. Uh, they intend to appeal it. So, I mean, it sounds like they haven't been barred from operating, so they could operate. Absolutely. Uh, it's all very strange. To. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It just seems like I don't know if they can go after the personal, uh, you know, finances of the people running it, or they're just limited to destroying the organization. In I which think case they should consider the organization already destroyed. Right. I think as a nonprofit organization, I don't think there's any there's any veil that can be that can be pierced, if I'm not mistaken. So what if the, like, I don't know their finances, but what if the executives were getting a really nice salary from this? They can't go after them for that? I don't know. It, this, it's all very interesting because we're dealing with regulations here, not hard and fast law, which is always an interesting place to be, right? Because the FCC is not, not a legal body, Right. It's a regulatory body. The things that they say aren't hard and fast. <laughs> They're not passed through Congress. So it's all kind of mucky The <laughs> what the end result could be. Right. So I, I don't know. There might be more to what's going on behind the scenes about um, why uh, they've suspended but I mean, their exact wording is as a nonprofit, Locast was designed from the beginning to operate in accordance with the strict letter of the law. But in response to the court's recent rulings, with which we disagree, we are hereby suspending operations effective immediately. It's possible that they don't understand what the ruling was, but I can't imagine that's the case. It's possible that they foresee some some terrible criminal case coming after this if they lose, but I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's a criminal case to be made here. So I haven't quite figured out why they've ceased operations, except that maybe they're running, uh, they're they're running thin. And they want to save capital for for legal fees. I have no idea. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they're going to lose. So of course, 
Uh, but I would have thought that if they asked me when they started it. So, right. <laughs> you know, they they managed to get away with it thus to get away with it thus far. I know these two by years the way, they're still accepting donations. Uh huh. Up up to uh, there was a there's a hundred dollar option on their website uh, for for predetermined little clicky boxes. <laughs> yeah, that's a hundred dollars a year, right? Yes. Whereas you could also donate up to $25 a month. Mm. So if they were it's still in business for still getting it for a year more, then that would be $300. But anyway, uh, yeah. So why was Sling using them? Um, so that they didn't have to try and negotiate local channels because it was a huge pain in the butt for them. So how come Sling isn't being sued? Or are they? I don't know that it was integrated into their platform or anything. Um, oh. Yeah. The, the, the software is available on lots of platforms. Like, an impressive amount of coverage. Uh, they definitely decided they wanted to be everywhere they could. Um, uh Android TV, Apple TV, Amazon, Roku, TiVo, The Dish Hopper, apparently DirecTV, Vizio. Like, basically, other than LG, almost anywhere you'd want to be, uh, they were there. So, I I don't know. It's It's all pretty interesting, for sure. Uh, But I'm with you. When... When we first heard about this over a year ago, my take was no way this succeeds. <laughs> no way they keep this thing afloat. I, they lasted way longer than I thought. Um, and I mean, the Aereo case made it to the Supreme Court. So <laughs> there, there's plenty of, of precedent. I understand that they went out of their way to create a business model that was that was distinct from the Aereo Supreme Court case, but I mean, I don't, I don't know how they come out of this anything other than gone. So obviously we're going to keep an eye on this, but I cannot imagine that we have not already accurately predicted the future (laughs) for this organization. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate our live viewers. If you didn't and would like to in the future, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us. If you're not able to join us live, that is also okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe is the place where you can find this and all of our other shows, including uh, Plug Hits Live Presents, First Looks, and a whole lot more. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've got the monthly download coming soon. It's a free newsletter. Our subscribers uh, over there will get it first before before it comes to the website. So definitely you'll want to go over there. Plughitslive.com slash the download. Put your email address in. And that's it. Pretty easy. Uh, we'll be giving in-depth uh, views on big topics uh, through that. And uh, we've also got the new website coming soon. We're, ver- we're all very excited about it. Um, 
much faster than the current one. And that's been our goal all along. So uh, look out for that. And with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you back next time. Ciao.